today's special guest, Joseph James, shares his five steps on how to walk through a loss without getting lost. He shares such a heartfelt story full of grief, love, and forgiveness. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me while you're on the website with Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. And today, our guest is the amazing Joseph James. Welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so honored to be here and be on this show and be able to share with you and the listeners. Thank you. So Joseph and I met, gosh, just a, this year, right? 2021? Yeah, this year, a few months yeah. ago. A few months ago. Yeah. For, uh, well, it was in a podcast, in Travis Chappell's podcast group. It sure was. Yeah. I was a guest on your podcast and I'm, you're doing such amazing things and have such an amazing purpose behind your podcast. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll get diving in. So I, I'm so excited to have you. So thank you. Oh. Thank you so much. I'm honored. And so for those of you who don't know, Joseph James is a former U.S. Marine and law enforcement veteran. He's a business owner, father, motivational speaker, and life coach. He has spoken on many venues across the nation and has helped thousands of people understand their purpose in life. After his wife's battle of cancer and the journey of pain his family went through, Joseph is now coaching people that have gone through life struggles, pain, and trauma to help not just find their purpose through pain, but teach them to take their plan, take their pain and launch them into their destiny. Wow. Talk about purpose. So Joseph, I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Absolutely. You know, investing into people is, you know, we, I believe that we're all where we're at, at the stage in life that we're at, whether it's an infant, whether it's a 42 year old male, we are adult. We have everything inside of us already that we need for life. Okay. And depending on the journey that we go through, those things that are already innately that we develop over the time that we pick up over time, those things are within us. Okay. Mm-hmm. My brother shared a story the other day how he would take acorns and put them in in a Ziploc bag. And when his kids were like 
six and seven, he would he would put it in their their in a Ziploc bag in their lunch bag and take it to school with them. And he told them the story of a tree that, that they had out there in, in the front yard, that this tree is like three foot in diameter, massive, massive tree. And he said, and in this acorn was everything inside that is equipped that, that for that tree right there to, mm-hmm. to be able to grow. He says, but we need sunshine, we need water, and we need the right soil. Mm-hmm. But everything in that acorn was there already. All the properties it needed to become that massive of a tree was already there. We just had to, we just had to have the right ingredients. And so, you know, when we're investing in people, we're simply just doing, taking what's inside of us, what's already there. Okay. And pouring out to other people, pouring Mm -hmm. into them because I, you've heard or you've seen the analogies where the professor puts the golf balls in the jar and he asks the class, is it full? And then everybody says yes. And then he pours sand in it. And then he pours water and pebble and all these different things, regardless of any of that is we can't, we can only fill up something, but so far, right? Mm -hmm. If you fill up, if you take a five gallon bucket, you can only put five gallons of water in it. But how do you get more in there by pouring out? Mm. How do you get more in yourself by pouring out to other people? And that's investing in them. Investing could be time. It could be finances. It could be knowledge. It could be helping them around their house. It could be a number of things, you know, and I always tell people, invest the way that you can. Invest Mm -hmm. in people the way that you feel that you can, because I'm a firm believer, okay, because I am faith-driven. I'm a firm believer that when I sow seed into somebody's life, I know I'm going to reap a harvest. Mm. I know I'm going to reap a harvest because I have to be empty inside for me to be able to be filled up. And so that is investing in people. Mm, I love I'll take it. Anyways. <laughs> I love that answer. And you're, you're just spot on. It's so true. We, that's kind of why I ask that question, right? It's about how when you invest in yourself, it naturally overflows onto people rather than um, pouring from an empty cup, because you're right. Five gallons is five gallons. Everything that we are is who we are. And so when we nurture that ourselves, right, is what you're talking about the the acorn. When we take um, our own, you know, when we're able to nurture ourselves and, and, love ourselves because that's what you're doing to an acorn is you're loving on it and you're you're making sure you water it and you you give it proper nutrition from the soil the water and the sunshine that's what we're doing to ourselves right we're giving ourselves nourishment and then it just automatically overflows yes absolutely absolutely love it And, and you do that so well with everything that you are doing and I love how you created a podcast and, and it didn't really talk about that in your intro, but I want you to talk, tell us how, what, what brought you to creating the podcast and what, first of all, what is the name of it? And then tell us what brought you to create it. Yeah. So the name of the podcast and it's found on Google, Amazon, Apple, Spotify is called purpose through pain. And it's exactly that right there. I, I couldn't have found a better name. But it's taking people and helping them through the pain and the the struggles in life, whether it be from trauma, whether it be through any circumstance that may may have had a setback. Maybe it just kind of caught them off guard. Maybe it caused some severe pain or even mild pain because pain is pain. The reason why this was the reason why I started this is 
back in, I grew up in a very abusive family. Okay. Mm. My dad was a very strong disciplinarian individual. Okay. And this is what he knew. This is what he, how he was raised. So he only knew one way of fathering, one way of parenting. And that was extremely stern discipline, you know, and I have a take on it. I have my, my philosophy is, is, you know, I'm not against spanking children. I'm not against discipline. Okay. But when you start off at a certain level for my dad was spanking and timeouts don't work or, you know, taking things away don't work. But when you start off with spanking, there's only one way to go from there. And that's up. Mm. Well, what's up from spanking harder spankings and harder spankings and harder. And it got to the point that it became abusive. I mean, this stuff, you know, and I love my dad to death. He, he's, he's deceased now, but I mean, it, both my mom and dad, there was nothing for them to yank us up in the middle of a fast food restaurant and whoop the fire out of us. Mm. Point, it's just like, you're looking at other people and like other people are leaving the restaurants. Like, Oh my God, are you serious? You know, that was the level that we grew up. But so you know, when I was, when I, I, because of, you know, I had uh, older sister, older brother, and younger sister. And if there's one thing that we can all agree on, because no siblings agree on anything, right? right. You know, if there's one thing that we can all agree on, and I should have this tape recorded, but <laughs> I got the blunt of the, mm. the beats. I got the blunt of everything, you know, and uh, I was a third child. I, I don't know why, you know, people's like, oh, you must have been the middle child or, you know, the, what, the baby or whatever. I, I was a third. Okay. So, but I got the blunt of it. I don't know why. I don't know how, maybe it's my mouth. Okay. Cause I could never shut it as a kid. And, but what I did when it came to the discipline and the, you know, the, the abuse and things like that, I was always, I found myself always looking for the approval of my father. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because nothing was ever good enough. And what I mean by that is this right here, we would make a, a minus on our report card. Okay. And you should have got an A plus. A minus is not good enough. You should have got an A plus. Yeah. Okay? And though my dad, I look back at it now as a father and I'm like, yeah, I want the best. I want my kids to always push themselves to be the best. And that's what my dad was doing. But he didn't just know. In the midst of pushing, you can always, you can also demeanor somebody. Right. Right. You know? And I, I look back now and I'm like, he was doing what he knew how to push. You know, being a Marine, there's one mentality of pushing. I stick a foot up somebody's rear end and you better hope they got the message. Right. And so that was my dad. My dad was a 20 year Marine Corps veteran. Okay. Plus his upbringing, his push was just, it's either my way or the highway. He wanted us to make A pluses. I, I, I get it, dad. But when you sit there and you say to somebody, that's not good enough. Mm. Okay. When A minus was everything I could have done in the circumstances and I'm getting punished for that, then I'm going to put in, I'm just going to start lowering my results because it doesn't, getting a D or an, even an F was the same punishment as getting an A minus. Who wants to try? Mm, yeah. You know, constantly being belittled, constantly being in an environment. And I know sometimes for the listeners out there, I know sometimes we can't pick our environment. I couldn't pick my family. Uh, it picked me, you know, now when that comes to relationships and things like that, there's definitely ways to, you know, change that circumstance and change that atmosphere. But I, I, as a young kid, I, I couldn't running away. I was more scared of running away. I mean, 
You know, I was, I'd get beat if I came back home, you know, so it was better for me to stay home. So I lived a life dealing with rejection, Mm -hmm. dealing with seeking approval. Mm -hmm. Okay. And something that you and I talked about uh, on our last podcast is I was always trying to create the atmosphere. Okay. uh, Of peace. I was trying to be Mm -hmm. the peacekeeper or the peacemaker. Okay. And so when, mom and dad would get into turmoil and then it would, you know, it would trickle down to us as kids. I'm like, okay, the only thing I know that brings peace in the family is put on some worship music from church, Mm. you know, and I would try to create the atmosphere. Now I'm all about creating the atmosphere. Okay. But one thing that I learned and I learned this from you is because of this stemmed on from, you know, years to even, well, up until two months ago and me recognizing it by you sharing it with me, is by trying to fix something or fix Mm. the atmosphere, I was controlling. Mm. Okay. So I had rejection issues. I had abandonment issues. I had uh, trying to always seek his approval, the control issues, you know, and it stemmed into, it stemmed into most every area of my life. The rejection, I, I didn't like the word. No, I didn't, I, I couldn't take it because that's what my dad was. And so if I would try to go somewhere like I'm 19 years old, I'm in the Marine Corps, I'm traveling the world. And I was scared to death to go up to a woman and ask her out because of the fear of rejection. Sure. You know, and then when I did get into a relationship, I'm trying to hold on for dear life Mm. because I was afraid if they left me, I'd be abandoned again. Right. You know, it was just one thing after another. And so fast forward, okay, to 2000, you know, 2005, my mom passed away. I'm now newly married. Okay. And just four months into it, my mom passes away of a blood disorder. Okay. Mm. At the time in her life or the time in my life, my relationship was my dad was not a good relationship. He was my father. Okay. I respected him as my father. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have a relationship with him. Right. Okay. Now it had gotten better over the years. I was a Marine now, or actually I was out of the, in and out of the Marine Corps. So things got better over the years, but I still didn't have a, a good solid relationship. I remembered all the bad things, right? I remember the sports becoming work. You know, I want to play sports and all the rejection, all those different things. And so, you know, I wished, including my siblings, we wished that when my mom had died, we wished it was my dad, you know, because mm. even though hate is a very strong word, I was very borderline of hating my dad. Mm. You know, I respected him, but I didn't, I, I didn't care for him. Now, he was always home. He was always in the family. It, it, my mom and dad, it, they, they were still married, even though it really wasn't a marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they were together still when, when she passed. But fast forward 14 years. Okay. My dad died my best friend. Yeah. You know, and we rekindled that relationship and we rekindled it through the power of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, when my mom passed away, I saw a broken man. Mm. And the two times I remember seeing my dad cry in his life was when his father died and when his wife died. Mm. You know, that's it. I was raised not to cry. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no problem crying in front of people. I'll do it. I'll do it all day long, you know, but, you know, Going through that and watching that relationship when my dad, when my wife, when my, my, uh, my mom died, my dad came up to my siblings and I, we were at the graveyard. And I think it was a few weeks later after my mom had passed, we went to go see the grave marker 
And he pulled us aside and he asked us uh, for forgiveness. And wow. he apologized. Wow. And, um, sorry, getting a little. And it was, it was then. It was then I'm like, okay, that, that's, you know what? I'll give that to you. If you're going to be man enough at this age, you know, and he's, my mom was 59. So he was 61 at the time. At 61 years of age, you've got so much ingrained in your mind. What is it worth to really say sorry to somebody at that age? Most people are like, whatever, I'll die this way. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact that, and I, my dad was hardheaded. <laughs> you know, he calls me hardheaded. I think we could have a contest of beating our head up against a brick wall and not damaging our head at all. You know, and, and we, would, we could argue with a brick wall that it was not brick and we'd win. You know, that's how hardheaded him and I both are. And so for my dad to sit there and humble himself to do that, I'm like, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you regardless of the situations, regardless of how he's acted over the years, regardless of how many times I've heard him say sorry to my mother. And so that was, we went on a road to forgiveness. You know, a year later, I moved to Louisiana with my wife and we eventually end up having two children. And then in 2017, we become pregnant with uh, our third child. And my wife started having complications, not with the child, but with her own health. Mm. And at the end of 17, they noticed, um, the doctors noticed a mass on my wife's liver. And they're like, we got to hurry up and bring the baby. They didn't think it was anything serious, but it was, you know, still serious enough to get in there and operate, you know, and, so a few weeks later, they bring the baby. About six weeks after that, they go in and do surgery. They discover that not only was there a mass on my wife's liver, but it was also on her colon, lymph nodes, and her wow. spine. And it was stage four colon cancer. Wow. At the age of 36. Mm-hmm. And so now we started on a new journey mm-hmm. now with three kids and you know, my wife having a, a death sentence. And yeah. say, so here was, here was the crazy thing about it is, you know, my wife, her mom, her birth mother died of ovarian cancer three months after she was born. Wow. She discovered ovarian cancer on the day my, when, when she went, when her mom delivered her doctors discovered stage four ovarian cancer. Wow. And she died three months after my, my wife was born. Wow. So you get this in your mind of my mom died. I don't, you're talking about abandonment, you know, issues. Mm -hmm. Her dad says, I I need to finish college and gave her up pretty much to the aunt and uncle, Wow. you know? So now she's lost her mother at birth. And then she gets this cycle of, dad's going to come back and then dad's not coming back and then sitting on the steps waiting on dad to show up and dad never shows up. And it's just constant, just abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so my wife lived with the fear of I'm going to die the same way my mom did. Wow. And so her mom was 36 giving birth to her and died three months later. Now she is 36 right after delivering a, a child and is now diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. You know, and you talking about every, if that's not, you know, your fear served on a silver platter, I, I don't know what is, you know, the reality of what I've been thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. And so going back to the question of why we started the podcast is when my wife was diagnosed, I began to tell our story on social media. 
I just went to Facebook Live. Didn't know anything else, not had started a podcast or anything. And I just simply began to share with friends and family what was going on. You know, I figured, you know what, this is the way I can let everybody know. Because when my wife was diagnosed, we couldn't tell her. I, I, I chose not to tell her for, for, for a reason. And when the doctors went in to remove her, the, the, the masses off of her liver, a healthy individual can live with up to about 75% removal of the liver. Anything beyond that, it really puts them into a health risk for a healthy individual. Well, they removed over 80% of my wife's and wow. she's not healthy. She's right. plagued with cancer. Right. You know, and they were like, Joseph, like, she may not make it over the next 72 hours. Wow. And all of a sudden, this is just hitting me all at the same time. My wife's got cancer. And by the way, you better, you better spend as much time with her. Wow. You know? And you have a newborn. And I have a newborn. Mm. He was, at that time, he was six weeks old. Mm. He was six weeks old when uh, my wife was diagnosed. Six wow. weeks, you know, and I knew that if I told my wife then, she'd go into this depression and I don't think she'd make it up. I didn't mm. think she'd make it past. The body would just, the mind would shut down and so would the rest of the body. Yeah. You know, and I had to break it to her mom, her dad, her, which was her aunt and uncle, you know, we just called a mom mm-hmm. and dad because that's who raised her yeah. um, brother and sister, you know, their spouses, then high school friends that she kept in contact with. And then my family and I'm just, I'm crying. And then I'm, you know, gain my composure and make another phone call. Yeah. Hear the story cry, you know, hear that person cry, gain my composure and make another phone call. And I'm like, I just can't keep doing this for, for 96 hours. I was making phone calls to people and I was telling every doctor that walked in because she was at a school of medicine when they did the surgery. And so you had these teams of doctors constantly coming in. You had the cardiology team, you had the surgery team, you had the cancer team. I mean, you had everything. And I would have to sit outside. I would open the door. They would come from 5 a.m. in the morning to 11 a.m. or six straight hours. Mm -hmm. I would stand outside waiting and any doctor that walked, excuse me, that walked up to come into a room, I says, do not say one word about cancer. Not mm. one. And I had to keep it from her. I couldn't even right. let my kids. We didn't know she was going to make it past 72 hours. Wow. And I had to keep my kids from coming in. Right. You know, and so I'm just like, you know what? If we get past this, I, just, I felt in my heart. I just knew I felt the Lord speak to me about, I want you to share your journey. Mm. And I only knew one way. And that was the Facebook this, uh, live. Mm-hmm. So I went on Facebook live and I just started sharing our journey and Shay, it was, I had no idea. I had no idea the magnitude of what was going to happen through it all had none. And I was just simply doing it as just letting people know what was going on. And it turned into more than just that. It became me investing in other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it became me not only sharing what was going on, but then it became me sharing my face. Then it became me praying for people. If I would, you know, on Facebook Live, when you can see who's viewing, when it pops up, I would yeah. see somebody pops up like, oh, Shay pops up. Man, God, I just bless Shay right now in the name of Jesus. I bless her day. I pray that she's, you know, mm. and that's how it was, you know, and it just went on like that time and time and time. And we had a couple scares where I got, a, I remember 
her going in one time for a, she was leaking fluid um, out mm. of her body from the C-section or from the surgery that they did. Okay. They yeah. cut her like an L. Okay. You know, the fluid cancer releases a fluid, the tumors release a fluid that could be very toxic in the body. Well, fluid, you know, think about being pregnant, eventually yeah. got to come out. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're going to come out on the weakest part of the body. Well, that was the incision. So mm-hmm. she had a massive hole inside of her that was leaking fluid. Wow. So she went in to go get a procedure and I get a call from a doctor and they're like, you need to come up here. She's, we think she's bleeding internally. Mm. And I said like, how, like what kind of time frame?" And the doctor's response was, you need to call in family. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, are you serious? And, and this I, was how long after surgery? This was, she hadn't even had the surgery yet. They had just taken her in and was doing blood work. And like wow. her blood levels were low, like, like test wise, they're like, she's losing blood somewhere internally. We're about wow. to into something, you know? And, and so I call, I remember leaving work. I called my brother, I'm crying. And I mm-hmm. just get on a Facebook live and I'm like, guys, I need your prayer. And I'm bawling crying, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm yeah. praying, praying for people. It's like, it's like I had intentions to, for people to pray for my wife, but then it flipped where I'm now praying for people, <laughs> sure. you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm like, I'm about to lose my wife. Mm. They come rolling her in and she's got this biggest smile on her face. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I feel great. And I'm like, I'm like, thank you, God. Just thank you. Thank you for another day. You know? Mm. And I just kept up with it. And then, then I decided this was September, so she was diagnosed, had the baby in January, diagnosed in February, so now we're into September, and uh, so roughly seven and a half months later, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do 40 days of straight prayer, mm. and, and, I, and I made declarations. I said, you know what, God? I says this cancer is out of my control. I can't do a thing, and I would tell people, I says, watch, in 40 days, God's going to heal my wife. Mm. I said, at the end of 40 days, she's going to be cancer free. I'd say it. I'd say it publicly. Mm-hmm. You know? And day one started. And I'm like, if you guys want to jump on 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, I'm praying. You know, and I would get up in the morning, do my morning routine. You know, I'd get the kids off the school. And as soon as the bus picked them up, I'm Facebook Live right in the car. You know, and it went on, you know, day 30 hit, still cancer. Day 35, day 40, still had cancer. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. We're going for day 41. I didn't give up. And I'm like, you know, as much as I wanted to twist God's arm, I knew I couldn't twist God's arm. Right. But I was definitely like, God, I know you're going to do it. You know, Mm. I know you're going to heal my wife. And we got into about day, I think it lasted around 90 something days, 90 something straight days of prayer. I was intermittent. I was doing fasting during, during that time as well. And it just really became, again, me praying for people. Hmm. No, and Shay, I would get messages, and this is where I really started to understand the magnitude of what she was going through, what our family was going through. And I would have people message us and say, Joseph, thank you so much for sharing your faith. I'm now back in church because of your messages. Mm-hmm. I would have people message me and say, Listen, my marriage was on the rocks, we were filing for divorce. And we would turn on your videos and watch them, my husband and I, and now our marriage has been restored. Mm. And I'm like, and, and, and Shay, that's, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little 
choked up. But that's the power of investing in people. Yes. That's the power. Yes. You know, when you, when you don't try to do anything, you just, you just pour out what's inside of you and you let other people take it. You let other people take it because I mean, there were times I had four 500, 600 viewers at a time watching my live videos, you know, and it was, it was all across the United States. I had people in South Africa watching me, friends and, and family and things like that, watching me across the United States and South America, you know, praying for us. Wow. And so long story short, you know, chemo took it, chemo stopped working, you know, my wife ended up passing away and the night before she passed away. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going through her Facebook messages and I'm just responding to anybody and everybody I can. And I saw this sermon. It was about a four minute clip from a pastor that I knew. Okay. And I had sent this video to my wife back in June timeframe. Okay. And it was talking about why we go through pain. Mm. Okay. And I'm like, babe, that's why you're going through this. You can touch other people. Da, da, da. Yeah. And I honestly don't know if she watched the video. I have no idea. Mm. Okay. But I watched it. Now this is hours before my wife is about to pass away. She's in the last stage of death. Okay. Mm. She's stage five. Okay. I knew what was going on, you know, and I read, I, I listened to this video and it, and, and this is what the pastor says. It says, in Hebrews 4, it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he says, what that means is we can't touch other people unless we feel what we're going, they're going through. Hmm. I can't yeah. speak to somebody that's been through a divorce because I've never been through. I don't know what it feels like. Right. I don't know what it feels like to lose a child because I've never lost one. Mm-hmm. But I know what it's like to lose my mom. I know, what, I know what it's like to lose my nephew to suicide. I know what it's like to lose my dad. My dad passed away 22 days prior to my wife passing away. All of a sudden. Wow. Back. I bury my dad and 15 days later, my wife has now passed away. You know, so 20, 22 days apart, you know, that they passed away. And I'm, I'm listening to this video and he says, we can't touch what we cannot feel. Mm. And I'm like, I said, God, that's my why. That's my why. You know, and I've never questioned God. I've never been mad at God. I've never been angry. I've never been, God, why couldn't you? And I kid you not, Shay, she passes away. We're at the funeral. And I'm looking at the casket. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm waiting. When are you going to do what you're going to do? Mm. Your time, you know, and though it wasn't God's plan to have her here on this earth, the things that have the people that have been touched because of her journey, her pain, you know, my journey, my pain, that is what makes her live, Mm. you know, and that's ultimately, I know that was a long part of it, but that's why I started the podcast. Because yeah. there are so many people out there that have suffered with trauma of growing up, pain, rejection, abandonment, fear, abuse, addictions, you know, searching anywhere and everywhere they can for answers. And though I don't have them all, I'm sure I, I, I've, I've gone through some stuff, I'd like to say, you know, 
And my pain is no different than anybody else's. I don't measure pain where, you know, hey, you may have gone through a divorce. I watched my brother go through a very ugly divorce, very ugly divorce in the midst of the 2008 economy collapse where he was losing properties, his business, his, his family. You know, I watched my sister go through the death of her son. Mm. You know, I watched my siblings go. We all went through the death of my, uh, my mom, you know, mm-hmm. and my dad, and then now my wife. And so I, I've been through some stuff, but it's no, it's, it's no more measurable in terms of pain than anybody else has gone through. And the podcast is simply just there to, for me to number one, invest in other people, you know, and, and pour what I've gone through. God has given me so much strength through all of this. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's times I cry. I'm, I, I get, I'm get, been getting emotional during this. You know, and it's, it's been, it's, it's healing is still taken. I'm walking in my healing. I, I, I'm healed, but I'm still walking in it. If that makes sense. You know, I'm not living in my past where I'm a victim to my society or I'm a victim to my circumstances or I'm a victim to what happened. You know, I'm walking in my healing and I'm choosing the mindset of, you know what, God, this is what you did because this is how I look at it right here. Shay. Okay, it's for my wife, Diane, in the in the book of Jeremiah in the Bible. It says that God knew us before he ever formed us. He Mm -hmm. he knew us and he set us apart before we were ever formed in the wound. He knew us. Okay, and I I got to look at that scripture because somebody had painted that on a canvas for my wife. It was a very beautiful Mm -hmm. painting. And. And this was before cancer ever happened. It just, it just, you know, they gave it to her. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, you know what, God, your word says that, you know, the beginning from the end, you knew that on December the 18th of 1981, my wife was going to be brought into this world. And you knew on January the 27th of 2019, that she was going to be taken away. It wasn't a prayer I can pray, wasn't evangelist I can call in, wasn't a healing scripture or anointed oil or anything that I can do that was going to change her destiny. Yeah. You know, and I was, I, I can accept that. I can absolutely accept that right there. And I'm like, okay, God, I think I would be doing an injustice, not only to my wife, but to the calling that God has on my life if I didn't share our story. Hmm. And that's why. When I started seeing other people touched, I actually had a friend of mine, a dog training friend. He's like, Joseph, why don't you start a podcast? I'm like, what's that? I kind of knew what they were, but I didn't really like pay attention to them, you know? And that's why it started. That's how it started. That's the reason why it started. Wow. 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 Such a beautiful, loving, compassionate story. And I know why God brought us together because we are kindred spirits. And we, I think we kind of figured out that the first time we talked, my, my dad was very similar to that as well growing up. And then at 70, uh, I would say probably 73, he became my best friend and he died at 79. So he was, he was my best friend in the last five years of his life. And there. And my mom died first, although they weren't married. My mom died five years ago and my dad three. And then I lost my brother last year. Mm. And there is something about 
pain that reminds me of trauma, your heart and your head, right? Your heart and your head determine if it's pain or trauma or not. We don't get to decide and we don't get to decide that that one causes hurts more than the other. It, it just hurts. Yeah. And I, we have a gift in the way I look at it, that when you have a voice like you do, when you have a calling, if you will, I'll use that term calling to inspire others, to empower others, to, you know, I get that I'm going through something and yet I still want to empower you to maybe forgive. Yeah you know, somebody maybe, you know, think about, you know, what if your spouse is here for the last time, how are you going to treat them? That it becomes our duty. Yeah. So just, right. So just like you were, your duty was a Marine, was in law enforcement. Your duty now is to really be a space for people to like get that they can go through stuff. Yeah. In fact, we all go through stuff and you can turn that into purpose. That pain can be purposeful. I am not versy, so I can't tell you which one it is, but you know, he uses our pain for good. He turns what happens to us for good. And, and that's what you're doing with your, your podcast, with your platform. I'll call it that because you're doing more than just a podcast. You are a, you are a a motivational and inspiration to many. So Thank 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 you. Thank you for sharing the story. Absolutely. You know, Shay, the thing about trauma is trauma is shame. You know, the the end result of trauma is shame. You know, we shame ourselves. We unconsciously shame ourselves. We seek my seeking approval. It's because I I, I shamed myself to the point that I didn't feel good about myself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I was always looking for an external validation, you know, through either a material possessions, through relationships, through achievements, through status, you know, but the thing about that, though, the powerful thing about that is we can all be healed from trauma. And Mm -hmm. one thing that's helped me in the process of healing is if, if you think about this right here. So when we're trying to heal from trauma, You know, when we can imagine what it was like before trauma happened, it gets us excitement, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. If we can true, if we can return to our true authentic self prior to that happening and start to see ourselves that way, we'll be able to start walking through that healing. Mm -hmm. Because what we do is we only see ourselves in the current situation and we try to look forward to a better future, better experience, better relationship, whatever the case may be. But it's so foggy to see sometimes because we're ultimately, we're clouded by the vision of what we currently see at that moment. Mm -hmm. And we think the healing is too far off. It'll never happen. You know, but if we can look back and the reason why we look back, because it's already happened. Mm -hmm. What happens when we look back, we can recreate memories inside of us. Be like, you know what? I remember what it feels like to have been married and not deal with rejection. Mm. I remember what it feels like to be approved instead of seeking for approval. 
Yeah. You remember, and, and when you start reflecting on those things, I, I'm telling you, I'm doing it now. It's just like, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling empowered. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just feeling it through my body. I'm feeling empowered, you know, and that's ultimately a step. It's not the only step, but it's a step to walk through healing, you know, and to walk through that trauma because we've all been through it to some sort. And some people are still living in it. Some people don't see the hope. They don't mm-hmm. see that I can get out of it, you know, but if they'll start to reflect on how things used to be when there was no trauma, you know, they'll be able to see a different side and be like, you know what? I can get back to that. I can get, I can feel that way again because ultimately it's a feeling, right? Trauma, the things that we experience, pain, the things that we experience become a feeling and we start to live that feeling. And when we start to live it, we're believing it. We're believing that's why it's so hard for people to get out of toxic relationships. A lot of people think that's the norm. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything else. This is how my mom and dad were. So this is how marriage is supposed to be. Yep. You know, and they never, but at some point in time, it's like, no, there, there was something different that wasn't like this. I had a moment of peace in my life. Maybe it was being single. Maybe it was being married. Maybe, maybe whatever the case may be, maybe it was owning a business, you know? But it's, it's going back to that root, that authentic self, mm-hmm. finding that. It may be as young as a kid. I remember there, there was, a, I, I loved certain things about sports. But when it came to being around my dad, I, I learned to resent it. Mm-hmm. Because my dad made me feel. Sure. And I'm like, you know what? No. I remember this right here before. I remember what it's like to ask out a female and not be rejected before I ever started dealing with rejection. And I'm like, and that empowered me to be like, you know what? I can step out again. I can walk in this healing, you know? And even, you know, I had never been a single father. So that was new to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the days that I was by myself fathering, you know, wife was out of town or she was going to the grocery store. But I took little glimpses of that. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember being single. I remember not having a companion. I'm like, you know what? I made it then. Mm-hmm. Even though 14 years of my life, my, my wife and I were married for almost 14 years, almost together for 16, you know, and that's a big chunk of my life. Right. So it's, I had to really sit back and think, what does it feel like to not have somebody in my life? And I, I mean, I really had to do some searching. And then I'm like, you know what? I do remember what this feels like. And it's not bad. I just have to make this the new normal, you know? Yeah. I just want to say your story is so powerful. I've the multiple times I've had to wipe tears from my eyes. So I apologize if I was sniffing on the, on the audio on the podcast, if you didn't see it on the video, but you know, it's, it's so powerful that what you were just talking about is acknowledging your own resiliency that you have been through something before and you can be, make it through again. Yeah. And there's something that in, in that doing that gives you hope yeah. to focus on an aspirational hope to focus on the future that, you know, when you're in the depths of, of the pain and the struggle and the trauma and you don't want to get out of bed, you can, start focusing energy and, and, and thoughts and feelings towards that aspirational hope of what it can be like because you've experienced it. So you've done such an amazing job recreating 
I don't want to say a life, but a, a unit because you've recreated it for your children as well. Yeah. You know, what a, what a beautiful gift you've given them too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So gosh, so many nuggets that, you know, we can just take from this. Is there anyone, is there advice that you would give who's someone who is going through a loss? And I'll say loss because we all experience loss in some way, shape or form. So is there any advice that you would give to someone who's just newly experienced a loss that maybe they're just lost and don't, don't know where to turn? Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, the first thing that anybody can ever do is number one is forgive themselves. We go into the blame. Okay. Mm. My father dying was not my fault. Okay. He he died of, of old age. Okay. But I could have blamed myself, went into the blaming game of, you know what? I wish I would have spent more time. I wish this, I wish this, I wish this, I wish this. And we start living in that guilt. Okay. Don't go that, don't go down that rabbit hole because it keeps, it gets deeper. You'll, you'll blame you for, you'll make up stuff to blame yourself in. Mm-hmm. So number one is to forgive yourself, forgive yourself of the circumstances. So what if you made a mistake? Okay. I made a mistake. I forgive myself for making that mistake because guess what? I'm not going to make it again. Right. You know, so that's, that's number one. Number two is I like, I like to create dreams, goals, and visions. Okay. And I'm not talking about, a one year, a three year, a five year. I'm not talking about a business plan. I'm not talking about what you want to do in the next couple of years of your life. I'm talking about the minute by minute. And I realized this, that when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, I remember her being at the house and she's in our back bedroom and she asked me to go get her a glass of water. Okay. And my wife liked crushed ice. I always had to make sure I had crushed ice. And so I walk up to the front of the house, and I get a glass, make some water, you know, I'm coming back. I may have been gone a minute, minute and a half, maybe. And I'm coming back down the hallway. My daughter's running towards me. She's like, dad, mom's crying. I'm like, Mm. what? And I walk into the bedroom and I'm like, babe, what's wrong? And she's just, she's just bawling, you know? And I mean, loud. Okay. And she said these words, she says, I smell the smell of death. Mm. And this is, this is, probably two weeks post-operative from her surgery that discovered cancer, maybe three wow. weeks. Okay. She says, I smell the smell of death. And she says, I have no hope to live. Mm. Okay. And I realized then, now I intervened and I, I kind of like my Marine Corps came out of me and I'm like, nope, not happening. I immediately went into prayer. I rebuked that spirit. Okay. And then I'm like, you open your eyes right now. You look at your three children. That's your hope. Yeah. But I realized at that moment that this was not a journey of five years, six years, seven years of people, somebody fighting cancer. We, we, we've heard people is like, oh, yeah, I've been cancer free for X amount of time or I've been battling cancer on and off for two, three years. No, I realized at that moment, this would be a moment by moment battle. Yeah. OK, so when I tell people to create dreams, goals and visions, listen, when you go through a loss. When you go through a breakup, a divorce, you know, pain, whatever it may be, you name your pain. When you go through it, you may struggle just simply getting out of bed. Forget a five-year goal. Nobody's thinking about that. Nobody's thinking about what you're going to do next week. We just simply can't get out of bed. We know it's depression. So I say this, 
make your steps, make your actionable steps very, very small. You may not be wanting to get out of bed, so just sit up in it. The next thing may do is pull off the covers. Give yourself a little freedom. Okay? The next day it may be putting your feet on the floor while still sitting in the bed. Then another day may be just going to the couch in another room. Or maybe you have a chair beside your bed. Move to that. Because when we're battling those things internally, we can't think big. We can only think in the moment. Right. You know, but if I can stretch the moment, so to say, by saying, you know what? I'm just going to sit up. That's all I'm going to do. Now, I had three kids. I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. When I have a, she was 11 at the time or right at 10, you know, and a eight-year-old and the infant, if the infant was sleeping, man, I wasn't getting out of bed. My older two, man, they could make their own cereal for all I cared. You know, I'm like, you guys can take care of yourself. You need something, daddy's in bed, you know? But I had to get to the point, I'm like, I'm going to sit up. Now I'm going to put my feet on the floor. Now I'm going to go to the couch in the other room. You know, maybe now it's, I get a cup of coffee. Mm. Now I get, and now I make breakfast, you know? Yeah. So creating those small actionable steps, the dreams, goals, and visions. Okay. And they'll get bigger over time. Number three is taking time to grieve. Mm. Yes. A lot of us don't take time to grieve. We bottle it up because we have to get on with life, right? Mm -hmm. Or we just don't express it and we go, what happens? We go into depression, depression. We think that nobody else is going through what we've gone through. Well, I'm telling you this, listeners, there's 7.3 billion people on the face of this earth. Somebody has gone through what you've gone through. Oh, yeah. Somebody. You know, and, and, and what's so crazy is I met a pastor not too long ago at the church that I go to. He lost his mom and wife all in the same month. Wow. His wife, he lost, she lost to, uh, to breast cancer. Okay. I just happened to lose my dad and it's a person different. But I mean, I met somebody and I met them in a local area. Right. You know, that went through the same exact thing I went through. Right. You know, so I, I when I say take time to grieve. What I would do is I would take 15 minutes, no more than 15 minutes. Okay. And the reason why I say that right here is this right here is when we take, when we set a time to grieve, we don't make it all throughout the day. So our day is not consumed of us having negative thoughts or depressive thoughts that lead into worse and worse situations. Right. Okay. Nobody, nobody wants to be around a person that's like that all day long. We just don't. Okay, because what does it do to that person? No matter how energetic you may be, it's like you can only bring so much energy to somebody that's depressed because it's annoying. And then you feel out of place. You (laughs) You really do. Okay, because I'm that ball of energy no matter where I go. But then sometimes it's just like, okay, uh, a joke at a funeral probably isn't going to do really well right Mm, now. You know, it's just probably not, no matter how funny it is. Okay. And so I would take 15 minutes to grieve. I'd stop my grieving now. 10 minutes later, I may be grieving again, and that's okay. Right. It's not 15 minutes out of the day. I'm working up to that, but it may be 15 minutes every other 15 minutes. <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm able to now go from a mindset of grieving to a mindset of moving on, to a mindset of grieving, to a mindset of moving on. Okay. To then when the mindset of moving on gets bigger and the mindset of grieving gets smaller. 
Okay. So that was number three. Number four, number five kind of go together is find someone to help. Mm, Yeah. Find someone to help. And then number five is help them. And the reason why I say this, and the reason why I came up with these is because this is what I found myself doing subconsciously. Yeah. But yet I kept on getting the question of how are you able to get through all this? Joseph, you've had your world crushed on you. You you know, I mean, because what, what I didn't share is about 45 days after my wife died, the baby, the infant, okay, the three-month-old now, it, or four months at that time, I think, is now being uh, life-flighted to a hospital oh, because he's malnutrition, can't hold food, like, like in serious condition. Mm. And he ended up spending 45 days in the hospital. It took doctors 30 days to figure out what it was. And he had celiac wow. disease, which is he can't eat anything gluten. Wow. And so they're feeding him, giving him nutrition. He handles it for a day or two and then spends the next three days vomiting and diarrhea, you know, and they're doing all sorts of tests on him, checking him for cancer. And the reason why it took doctors 30 days, because celiac disease does not develop in people until they're roughly between nine and 11 years of age. But they believe that the stress of him going through his mom dying. And I'm thinking, how does he even know his mom died? And then somebody shared with me, Shay's like, Joseph, you got to remember, he was in the belly for nine months. He knew it was, he was there. everything. Yeah. He knows her touch, her smell. He knows it's all gone now. Yeah. He knows her voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I started to find people help to help, because that's, that's what people kept on asking. is like, how are you getting through all this? I'm like, I'm going to have to think about it. And I would forgive myself. You know, and forgiving myself is actually something that I added probably just in the last four or five months. You know, I was setting my goals, dreams, and visions. I was taking my time to grieve. I was finding someone to help, and then I was helping them. And the reason why I say find someone to help and help them is when we start shifting the, the, the focus off of us into other people, revelation of our own problems are exposed. Yes. We start when we, if I find somebody that's going through trauma and my like, guys, listen, this is what, you know, I, I'm, I'm praying with you and I'm doing this and I'm, I'm helping you. And here's what you could do. And da, 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 da. all of a sudden it's like light bulbs start going off in my head. I'm like, Oh, that's good advice. I like that. I might use that myself, you know? And before you know it, you're walking through healing without purposely walking through healing, mm-hmm. you're finding ways to be like, they're like, well, I did that and that didn't work. Well, hey, did you try this? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, that's really good. I need to write that down. <laughs> you know? So for those that are listening, number one, forgive yourself. Okay. Live with the attitude that even if you feel that it was your fault, move past that. Blaming yourself will get you nowhere in life. Right. It will move you for it will move you further back. It will get you stuck. Okay. And this is what I encourage people that have gone through pain. Pain is life's greatest teacher. It's also life's biggest crutch. But we can allow pain to do one of two things. Pain can be the glue that gets us stuck. Or it can be the very thing that launches you into your destiny. Mm. It's your choice. See, Shay, I I came up with this saying. I says, when you're walking through hell, we've all heard when you're walking through hell, keep going, right? Okay. When you're walking through hell, fire can only do one of two things to you. It can either destroy you 
or it can refine you. Mm-hmm. The choice is yours. Absolutely. And I'm just in the midst of everything that I'm going through. And I encourage the listeners, let the fire refine you. Mm. Let the pain launch you. Because there's so many other people out there that are going through the same exact thing that not only can they help you, but you can help also. And when you start to help other people, okay, you'll start walking and finding ways to walk through your own healing. I just said this earlier today, multiple times, actually, and I'll say it again. When the teacher is ready, the student will appear. Absolutely. What you're saying is when it's time to find somebody, they will show up. Yeah. And uh, then it's time for you to carry on what you've learned from your own pain, which is where the purpose comes in. Absolutely. The the worst thing that we can do is blame ourselves. Right. The worst thing that we can do. Yeah. Nothing else happens. Nothing else happens. Don't blame yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You know? I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Gosh, time has just been flying by as it always, (laughs) as it always does when we, when we talk to us. So if it's so fun and and I say fun, even though this is a very authentic, genuine, heartfelt conversation, because Joseph and I are seeing each other on zoom for those who are listening, it's fun because I get to be with my friend. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having such courageous a spirit about you to be able to be vulnerable and, and just be a light, even yeah. though, even though, even when pain is, is there. And you know, it all boils down to like what you've perfectly named your podcast, the, the power of investing in people. Mm. We start to see that when we truly start to focus on other people, so much things come in our way. So much things come to us because our focus is off of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's just powerful. First of all, I just have a few more questions before we end. So how can people get in touch with you? What, what, what is the name of your podcast? Where do they find it? Website, social media, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. The podcast is called Purpose Through Pain. It's on Apple iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on Google. It's on Amazon Music. Okay, so they can definitely go to any of those platforms and find us and listen. They can also reach out to me on Instagram at meet. Joseph James. That's meet Joseph James. They can, that's probably one of the best ways to reach me. I am on social media as my personal name. I do have other social media pages that we're growing because we are going to be starting a coaching program very soon, helping people go through trauma, finding their purpose, finding their purpose through pain, because we all, we all go through it and we all have a purpose, you know, for that reason. So Reach out to me. I'd love to hear feedback from you, from, from our listeners. Love to hear, get questions or even, Hey, look, this is what I've gone through. And mm. how can I, how can, what's my next step? How can I get connected? How can I continue to, to move forward? Because it's, it's a journey. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Uh, you know, it's been two, a little over two years. January was two years and I still face things every single day, you know? Yeah. I might be happy-go-lucky at times, but I mean, you can see how emotional I can get just when I talk about it. So, but yeah, meet Joseph James on Instagram and the Pur- Purpose Through Pain is the, is the name of the podcast. And it's on all the major venues, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Hosts. <laughs> yeah, all the platforms, all the podcast platforms. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. 
So thank you again. Thank you so much for, for taking time and your busy schedule to be here. And I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Ooh, there is a verse in Psalms. I'm trying to remember. I know my mind just went blank, but it says, it was talking about, it's talking about David being in a pit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it says, I cried out to God. He heard my voice. He turned and he listened and, and he, he lifted. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, when we cry out to God, God can't help but to turn our way. Mm-hmm. No matter what we're going through, God's always going to be there to lift us up. And that is my, that's my story. That's my song is God heard, God turned and God lifted. And so no matter, no matter what I'm going through in life, I know that when I cry out to God, I know he's going to hear my voice. Cause you know what? I'm his child. And don't all parents know their children? Don't they know their children's voice? So if I know that I'm a child of God, I know he hears my voice. And so I know that anytime that I'm going through anything, I can cry out to God. I know he'll hear my voice and his word says that he'll lift you up. Mm. He'll mount us up like wings as eagles, you know? So I know that God will always, when I cry out, he'll hear me, he'll turn, and he'll lift me. Hmm. Yes. Amen. 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 Take an offering up now. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph, so much for being here. Absolutely, Shay. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of your journey and just what you're doing for people on your podcast. And I'm, I'm so excited. You've touched my heart. You've helped me in so many ways. We haven't even had a chance to even update each other on things, but God is so good. And I love what you're doing, you know, and, and the fact of the, you know, the, the power of investing in other people. That's what we're all doing. We're investing mm-hmm. in other people because when you invest in other people, you're investing in yourself. Yes. There's no other better way. No other way, you know? Yeah. So thank you so much. I'm honored. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, you may even took some notes, maybe some tears, had some Kleenex nearby when you were listening to this, we invite you to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.